Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. Before we introduce today's guest, Jen and I want to share with you an exciting event that is coming up very soon. Next week, we are going to be live on Zoom in a face-to-face interactive conversation with our listeners. We'll be talking about distance learning, surviving distance learning, even thriving, probably in spite of distance learning. There you go. We know that a lot of you out there are really having challenges with your boys. And I do have to say, I have been hearing from some mamas that it's actually going quite well. So there Mm -hmm. is that. Mm -hmm. However, most of you are having issues around distance learning and how to support your boys to do this really crazy thing we've asked them to do. Yeah. You know how on the podcast, you will often hear us talking about the facial expressions that we have and how we're responding to various things. This is your chance to log in and see what we look like as we're having these conversations. It's such an important layer of the conversation because when we can see each other's pain and emotion and hope, it makes a difference. Yeah, we don't feel so alone. And, you know, Jen and I spend a lot of time watching each other, looking at each other. We'd love to have some more people in the picture. And that's you, dear listeners. And so I invite you to go to bit.ly slash onboyslive. So go to that link, get registered. We do have limited seating. A shout out to all our Aussie friends. We have created a special time slot that will work for you so you don't have to join us in the middle of the night. It's next week. Register and join us for this first interactive live event. If you are listening in real time, that event is December 8th and December 9th. Attend one or both sessions. If you're listening to the recording later, you can always contact us, Janet at Boys Alive, and find out when the next event is. Thanks for being here. I know you're going to love this conversation.
As our guest today has said, most of us know what consent means, but knowing what it means doesn't necessarily guarantee that we or our boys will actually be prepared in the moment. I'm sure you can recall, Jen, some dating that's maybe gone sideways or a conversation with a friend that may have gotten difficult or sexual interactions that while it didn't quite feel like an assault, it did feel uncomfortable and in hindsight may not have felt consensual. It takes incredibly strong interpersonal skills to navigate these scenarios in the moment. And that's for adults. Mm-hmm. Imagine how challenging it can be for your boys to effectively ask specific questions set and keep boundaries, check in and handle rejection gracefully. I'm still working on that one. Our guest today, Sara Casper, is a master at teaching the skills that you and your boys need before the stakes are high. Welcome, Sara. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. You know, you came to con- to teaching about consent from a very different angle. Probably no one else in the world has quite entered the consent doorway the way you have. So I would love to hear more about that. Yes, I entered uh, consent education through acrobatics. Uh, (laughs) Okay. If you all just made a little face and went, huh, so did I, so did Janet. (laughs) I am a practitioner of acro yoga or partnered acrobatics. And in this practice, because instead of using an apparatus like trapeze or uh, aerial silks, we're using our bodies. There has to be a lot of communication about our bodies, about our comfort levels, about what we want to explore, where our limits are, what we maybe want to work towards, bowing out of a a trick if it doesn't work. And I started to realize that the conversations I was having in my acro yoga classes were more or less the same conversations that happened in the bedroom. And I started to think about how, if this is generalizable, when we think about skills as being generalizable, Mm -hmm. I started to wonder where else does this come up? Because it's already in two places. And so since my background is in psychology and specifically teaching social emotional skills to kids, I wondered if there was a way I could take what I learned about touching communication from this completely non-sexual practice and start to teach kids how to navigate touch, both just regular everyday platonic or familial touch, and then eventually generalize those skills as they get older to sexual touch. I love that this came from your involvement in, I'm going to call it a sport because it very much is. And it's, you know, it's using your body, it's physicality, you've got other people involved. Um, So you have to figure out safety, comfort, like you said, working together. All of the talking about consent is so much easier if we do take the sex part of it out, at least to start, right? And if we can show our, our children and our boys especially, who may already be familiar with some of these concepts from working on a sports team, for instance, 
it, the conversation becomes easier and more comfortable. Absolutely. Well, I can really see this applying with even young boys around roughhousing and mm. how far to go and when to stop and when to check in. And so talk about that, Sarah. What can parents actually say? How can you set boundaries? What do you do when they cross the line? Let's just start right there with your three, four, five, six-year-old. Sure. So I also, um, when we connected, I didn't let you know that I have four older brothers. Aha. Um, so, so you've experienced this. So rough housing, I has a special place in my heart. I think it's great. I think it can really be wonderful. Um, so when it comes to talking to young boys about body boundaries, but also letting them explore their bodies and enjoy roughhousing and things like that. My, my favorite tool to use is asking them, did you ask them first? And what I mean by that is I used to be a kid's yoga teacher as part of the acrobatics. And if a child was poking another child in class, I don't say stop. I say, did you ask them? Because it's about, it's about their communication. It's not about me. Yeah. You can't just implement this day one. You have to have a little bit of a background of we, um, we value consent in our home. This is what consent is. This is what asking looks like. This is what responding looks like. You need to build a little bit of a foundation, but not much. But once you do have that foundation, then you can start to get them to think about, am I violating someone's body and not is this mean or not? Because sometimes roughhousing is mean, sometimes it isn't. And so it's, it's, it, it can be a little bit tricky. Um, so that's one of my favorite things to use, especially um, with younger kids. It kind of makes them pause because it's mm-hmm. such a strange question. Yeah, it makes them pause. And then they're like, and then if they want to like roughhouse and they say yes and they ask each other, have at it. Mm-hmm. But if someone says, no, I, don't, I actually don't like when you like, hit me with a pillow, then it's like, oh, well, you got your answer there. Maybe Mm -hmm. later. You know, one of the challenging things for me with boys as a mother of boys is noticing that the way they discover boundaries is by blowing through them, especially when they're little. But I mean, we all know it continues into the teen years, right? Like we find out where the line is when we cross it. And so, so often when my boys were little and they would roughhouse, like it would clearly be consensual in that everybody's smiling and everybody's having fun until you guys can fill in the blank here. You know, somebody gets hurt and ends up crying. Right. Mm -hmm. Aha, pretty soon Mm boohoo. Yes. How as the adults do you kind of navigate that as the adult where you can see, because you have many years of experience, that there will be a boundary crossed and somebody will be harmed, not seriously, generally speaking, somebody will be harmed. And yet this is sort of a really effective way of them learning versus us telling them. So I would say if, if, it, if it is like, oh, someone's going to get a bruise and they're on board with it, I personally am too. I don't, I don't think it's my, my job to step in because that's not a safety and wellness issue. That's like a news yeah. issue. And, and that's how you learn, right? You experiment and, it's, and, and the same is true for when they are older, they might want to try new things in the bedroom. 
And if everyone's on board and they have that communication, at some point, someone might be like, oh, stop. Nope. Never mind. This went too far for me. Mm-hmm. We don't want to get there, but it's natural that we get there. And really the ways you teach your kids to respond to say a rough housing incident where somebody got hurt is the same as in the bedroom later. Ideally, if it goes too far, if somebody gets hurt, are you okay? I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. It's the same. It's the same. They're generalizable skills. If how the rough housing is going gets to a place where all of a sudden you're in a different room with lots of sharp, cor- sharp corners <laughs> and things like that, right? Then you might want to do a check-in again or put like, this is now a safety, a real safety issue. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, as long as the two of them are on board and it's, and they're going to mm-hmm. be fine, go for it. You hit a, a stopping point and then you talk through, what do you do then? I love this, Janet. Yeah, this is good. I want to make sure that we talk about handling rejection gracefully, because I'm even thinking about your example of the the kids in the yoga class and one's poking the other one. Okay, so you ask the question, did you ask them? And they, they said, no, I don't want to rough house with you. I don't want to play with you right now. How does the other person who still wants to like poke the other person and play and how, how do we begin to really help develop a healthy way to handle rejection that isn't like an, you know, mark on their self-esteem and, oh, I'm a horrible person Mm -hmm. and, oh my gosh, you know, which also is translatable to the bedroom. So how, how do we teach handling rejection gracefully without having it totally destroy our self-esteem. I'm so glad you asked this question because I think this is a part of consent and just interpersonal interaction that's just not addressed enough, right? We talk about the asking and the answering, and then we don't talk about what happens next. How I talk about rejection, uh, there are two steps. There's first, what are you saying? How are you reacting in the moment to the person who rejected you. And yes, rejected is a strong word, but we're going to use it. Yeah. Um, but right, right. How, how do you, how do you handle that moment when they say, no, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a simple, that's usually a one phrase thing. Like, okay, cool. Thanks for telling me like, bummer. Okay. But that's important to know that that's a step to like mm-hmm. close up the conversation. And then the second part of it is, okay, now how are you dealing it with afterwards as a more emotional blow, right? If you're feeling anger or sadness or disappointment or shame. Um, And that's where coping skills come in. And that depending on what the rejection is, will determine what the, you know, how hard it is, will determine what the coping skill needs to be. Um, But it's things, it's, it's every other coping skill you're using, right? So breathing, um, problem solving. Um, you can, for touch specifically, you can say like, put yourself in their shoes. Like, how would you like if someone was poking you? But I also say, sometimes we don't like the same things, right? I like chocolate, you like vanilla. It's not just about put yourself in their shoes. Am I wrong for liking chocolate? Absolutely not, mm-hmm. right? And we're also allowed to have our own likes and dislikes. And then you can even engage them in a, especially if they're younger, engage them in conversation of what are your, some of your likes that other people don't like, Mm -hmm. 
right? You know, especially with little boys, they'll be like, I like ketchup on pickles. And you're like, great. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, not everyone likes that. But you, you know, and then so you start to to really talk about like the similarities and how you would want to be treated, but also the fact that not everyone wants to be treated the same. We all have different preferences. I think this part is so important. I'd like to spend a little bit more time on it if we can, because we have all seen and heard really tragic, horrible examples where a male has been rejected and that has erupted into terrible violence. Women have been killed. There have been mass shootings. Like as a mother of boys, this is something I worry about. And I don't mean I'm concerned my kids are going to go shoot up a thing, but like critically, it is critical for our boys to be able to tolerate and cope with rejection because it comes in so many forms, right? Like it's, it's at home, it's in relationships, it's, it's in our careers. We are all going to experience disappointments. And this seems to be such a critical life skill. And yet there's so much working against our boys, you know, in terms of all the conditioning that they have experienced for years and years, be stoic, uh, all of the, all of that. And I want to insert also, Jen, you know, it's not only the go out and shoot something, kill someone, but it's also suicide. Mm -hmm. And we know that, you know, breaking up yes. with a girlfriend can be the cause of either suicide yeah. ideation or actual suicide. And so you're so right. This is so important to teach our boys. And it's, and it's, the truth is it, it goes beyond coping because it's interpersonal too of the person who's saying no, not to be shaming that the person asked. Yes. That's also a big point here. Um, it's really, it's constantly like an interaction. Like consent isn't this one thing that you like get. And then it's, it's like this process and this conversation. Um, and not that it is, again, when we're talking about men who are, really crossing the line mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like yeah we, don't worry about not shaming don't worry them. about their feelings but I'm talking about children yeah right yeah where if someone gets up the courage because it is not easy to make yourself vulnerable and say I want touch or I want to play with you like that is a vulnerable thing to say if they're doing that and they're getting like why would I play with you you know mm -hmm. like of course they're not going to handle the rejection well so we mm -hmm. also need to be teaching our children, our boys specifically, because this is on boys, about how to um, thoughtfully, respectfully say no. Mm -hmm. And it, taking this directly into sexual consent situation, one thing that I have noticed as a mom of boys is so often the conversations are framed in such a way where it's assumed that the male will be the one who's, you know, trying to do something with their partner. And it's the girl who has to try and say, no, I don't want to. But you know what? Boys, heterosexual boys and gay boys are subject to unwanted sexual advances too. Our boys need to learn how to respectfully say no. Mm -hmm. yep. Absolutely. It's both genders. And then to take you back to that even rejection conversation one more, it's also when you are responding, are you responding in a way that's not coercive? And I mean that oh. unintentional coercion. I don't mean in terms of like real hardcore manipulation. Mm -mm. 
I'm talking about like, and parents are guilty of this. I, as an aunt, I'm guilty of this for sure of like, oh, please, can I have a hug though? You know, where you make them mm. feel guilty. And like, I think saying, oh, bummer is fine. You can say, oh, bummer, thank you for telling me your boundaries, sure. But I think when we start getting into, I'm so sad and that real change of voice. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And By Heart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y- H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash onboys. Yeah. And all of a sudden they might change their answer to a yes, but they didn't really want to. They just didn't want you to feel bad. And so oh identifying coercion and identifying persuasion is also part of um, teaching consent to kids. And again, it's interpersonal interactions in general. Yeah. Right. Wow. Your friend guilting you to come for dinner. Yeah. This is, yeah. Wow. This Mind is overwhelming <laughs> for me because for one, I used to be a teenager. For two, I live with teenagers. And, you know, we all know 
developmentally, they're not good at this stuff. They're not good at interpersonal communication. They're still learning. They're not good at emotional regulation. They're still learning. Um, when it comes to these, you know, handling these conversations, a lot of us adults are not good at it. And so, you know, to expect our kids to do better is like, oh boy. And I think that probably is where a lot of us, uh, due to our own overwhelm and discomfort, sort of back up and go, well, I've done the best I can. Yeah. But when, but at, and as their brains are developing and their right emotion regulation and decision-making that's, and when they're hanging out with like their friends, mm -hmm. that's when we want them to make these mistakes and learn from them. Right. It's not oh. when they're older. So you get them to work through these like things like rejection and coercion and how are you responding to someone and how are you asking a question? Work all those kings out when you have the support of teachers and parents and coaches. Because if the first time you're having to deal this out, deal with this is when you're 18 at prom or something, you're not going to be good at it. And it's going to yeah. be mm -hmm. and not fun either. I'm just thinking about I'm back to the auntie and the coercion and the grandparents of, oh, come on, give me a hug. It's really hard to say to, and this, in this case, it's the grandma who's always like needling the little one of like, give me a hug. Ooh, doo -doo -doo. And it's really awkward to say to the grandma who's just being grandma to knock it off basically it'll be a little harsh there but help us out Sarah how do you and you know we're just having the difficult conversations with adults not even with our boys but this is at the adult level of hey what you're doing is not okay stop but to like change a you know 70 year old woman's pattern of interaction oh baby yikes yeah. Yeah, I talk a lot about consent culture, right? Because it's not just the one moment. It's that environment where everyone, I talk a lot about also like the child's team, like everyone on the child's team is on board with what you're trying to develop in them and why. And so it's not just in the moment when grandma wants the hug. It's before you even get to grandma's house talking about, I'm trying this new thing. Can you help me out with this by asking and respecting their no, because if that child learns that they're responsible for someone else's sadness in the future, why wouldn't they, you know, change their mind to make someone else, someone else's sadness go away, right? They're teaching that pattern that you have that responsibility. You have the power to make someone happy, use it, right? And so it can start with grandma, but then where can it go? So I, for the conversations with adults, I think it's really about talking about it, not in that exact moment, but the big picture, talking to teachers about it, doctors about it, coaches, and say, this is what my child expects. My child expects that you will ask them and that if they say no, it will be respected. You know, we have good communication about this. I mean, and not in like a threatening way, but we have good communication and I'll know if that's not happening and, you know, yeah. they have the autonomy. Well, I, I really like what you said about making it the bigger picture and not just targeted at that individual of like, you know, grandma, you got to stop this. But this is what and 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 I think grandma can get on board when it's like, this is what we're teaching our child. 
of course, she's going to want her granddaughter to be able to say no in the bedroom later on. And so helping her see that this is where it starts and that the no is respected, I think is a huge part of it. And, and to help them recognize that it is that little change of the voice. I love that you said that of like, oh, okay. And you little, and your eyebrows are going up and you're a little pouty face. I love it. Our viewers, our listeners can't see that, but, um, but I'm sure we've all had that experience and probably done it ourselves. So it's really so important that we call this out. But what if I'm not at all convinced that, you know, every grandma or grandpa or aunt or uncle is going to go along with this because oh, I yeah, mean, no. you know, so yeah. let's say I have this conversation with whoever it is and, you know, they kind of double down and they're like, oh, it's harmless. This is just how I show my love. What's your advice then? I would say first empathize. Like this is, of course. Of course you want to, I call it schmush. Like, of course you want to schmush your little, you know, grandkids. Like you have kids so you can have grandkids. Come on. Like, I guess, you know, like <laughs> empathize. That hit close to home, Janet. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes. Um, and say, how would, you know, how would you feel about, um, compromising? And so you teach the child to advocate for maybe not a kiss but maybe they want to do a hug or a side hug. Like there are multiple kinds of hugs, High right? High five maybe or High something. five. A secret handshake is always, you okay. know, because that way grandma still feels special. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are ways to to navigate it there. Beyond that, it's, it's if they're still not on board and just like, that's ridiculous, no. It's the parent's choice if they want to either lay that boundary down and say, that is sending like not not safe messages to my child. There are no needs to be respected until you can do that. We can't visit you. Like our like I can come over, but like mm-hmm. they're not coming. He's not coming with me. Um, or you can say that you know they're my child's care, and I can't afford you know I can't afford someone right. else. So and so we're gonna have to have a conversation about how grandma doesn't understand this. Um, and that you know it's it. Once you get past there, it's really on an individual basis. Right, but it- right. I appreciate you talking about it, though, because I think so often, you know, parenting articles and parenting advice stops at the easy answer. And it's like, well, yeah, but what if that doesn't work? And then what? So even the fact that you acknowledge that this can be really challenging, if you are relying on this relative for childcare, there, there might not be a neat and easy answer. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You can still get through this and you can still still have lots and lots of great um, conversations and teaching and learning about consent, about relationships. In itself is an learning opportunity of what do you do when someone isn't respecting your boundaries. We are going to pause for a moment in this conversation with Sarah. Hope you're enjoying it. And we wanted to bring you a message from our sponsor, Haya Health. I always used to get sick the week after our high school musical. Now that I'm a nurse and a health writer, I understand why. Lack of sleep, lack of proper nutrition, and stress all interfere with the ability of our immune systems to function optimally. If you worry about your boy's nutrition and sleep and stress, 
consider adding Haya Health vitamins to your daily routine. These chewable vitamins contain 15 essential vitamins and minerals known to support a healthy immune system. Use our discount code on boys to get 50% off your first order. Go to HayaHealth.com and enter discount code on boys to save 50%. Now back to our episode. Consent is consent in its purest form is in its most basic form. Sure is simple, but it's human interaction. So it's nuanced and complicated and messy. Which makes it even harder for our boys to navigate it since that human interaction, the nonverbal cues, all of that can be kind of a mystery to many of our boys. So, so there's that as well. And, you know, this is that place where we need to teach them from a young age and it's a constant conversation and it's not easy. It's not easy. You know, you're still trying to just get the laundry done and dishes, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. And often my generation as moms, many of us now as adults are grappling with situations that you kind of alluded to in the, in the intro, Janet. Like we didn't have these conversations about consent and consent was not understood the same way when we were growing up. So as news stories have hit over the last few years, a lot of us are going, huh, yeah, that wasn't entirely right. There was something off about that. And so we are, we're learning on our own, dealing with our own stuff, our own issues, and it makes it difficult to want to dig in, but necessary. In that way, it can be kind of nice because you can frame it as learning together. Yeah. Like this is a big relationship builder because when your child knows, when your boy, like when your son knows that they have body autonomy and that they're in charge and that you respect them and that when you mess up, you apologize, like that is just, right? It's no longer, it's not that power struggle that parents are so used to. Um, And it can be a, a learning, you're learning with them. There's a, there's a lot of unlearning to do of how things go. Like, this is just how it goes. The man does this, the woman does that, right? And there's still so many uh, bad examples that we see in movies, in music, in TV, uh, the quote-unquote reality TV shows. Like, we do not see a lot of examples of good, respectful, healthy communication, <laughs> I got a question for body autonomy um, because I hang out in groups for parents of teenagers. An issue that comes up all the time is a mom inadvertently walks in on her son masturbating, developmentally normal. I mean, consent's not an issue there, Uh, you know, his body, but the mom is usually mortified and doesn't know how to respond or what to do in that moment. What would be your advice for those moms and dads who find themselves in that situation? Yeah, I think that goes back, that goes back to the environment, right? That culture. If there is shame around the penis and sex and masturbation, mm. of course there are gonna be feelings about shame when you walk in on someone doing that. But if it's this is totally normal, as long as you're doing it like in the privacy of your own room and safely and all of those things, like, oh whoops. And they're they're 
isn't shame felt on either side. Um, in the moment- Awkward and embarrassment, but not shame. Yeah. Exactly, right, right, like whoops. But if you if there isn't that culture in the home, it's why why wouldn't there be shame in that moment? That's an excellent point because you're right. If you have had if you've been um, curating this this healthy culture, and I don't mean to say if you haven't gotten there yet that your home is an unhealthy environment. I, I don't mean to imply that. But if you've had a sort of matter of fact thing, it really can be as simple as oops, I'm sorry, close the door. And I don't really think you need to have a conversation beyond that at that point. Um, if you, you know, like scream in horror, then yeah, you may need to have a conversation later. <laughs> right, right. Or if they feel like they need to um, make up an excuse, right, defend themselves. Oh, it was just this one time. It was, I wasn't, yeah. a, and you know, but if they know that, you know, they do this because you've talked about the fact that this is normal, then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. There's so much here. We cannot dig into this all in one podcast episode, can we? It's so complex. As Sarah said, you know, this is human relationships. We could, you know, give you the script. It's never going to go the way the script is, is written. It's having the flexibility, but it's knowing these key concepts, which I really, really love the idea of just consent culture in your family. And it starts from, you know, it starts from infancy, basically. You talked about compromise. I really liked that idea of just like, no, I don't want to do this, but we could do that. And, and just this whole piece that I think is so important that we've talked about is handling rejection. The word noble comes to mind, not sure why, but that we can handle it nobly and we can be upright in that rejection and, and still be okay with ourselves, that it's not a, it's not a report card about who we are, who our, what our character is. You know, I feel the need to say that noble and handling rejection applies to us too, parents. One mm. of the things that is so hard, especially for moms of teenage boys, is when they don't come to us for cuddles or hugs anymore. We have to respect those no's. We have to handle that with our nobility and give them that space and freedom. If we want them to extend that to others, we have to show it to them as well. That is powerful, right yeah. there. Time for one more tool. Yeah. Yay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we are on time. When you said, Janet, that it's not a report card, how I frame thinking about consent is I use a who, what, where, when, and how framework. So within a touch, all five elements apply, right? Who is doing the touch? What kind of touch is it? Where on the body is being touched? Um, when is it happening? So that's both set and setting. So what is your mindset? What mood are mm. you in? And then also physical environment from everything to it's dark. There are people around, there aren't people around. I'm at home, I'm at school, I'm outside school. All of those physical environment things. And then the how um, is the most abstract, but it's like, how tight is the hug? How long is the hug? Mm. So when, if you are re rejected, it could be for any one of those reasons, right? It might be the who, or it might be the what, where, what, like there's so many other reasons for yeah. why someone doesn't want to give you that touch in that moment. And so if you can remember that, A, it gives you information to do that 
collaboration or compromise or figure out what would work. And B, it also helps you take it, not personally, right? We think about, there's a lot of like, oh, I'm not a hugger. And it's like, well, maybe. And for, for children with autism or spectrum or like a sensory processing issues, that might be true. But for many of us, it's just, we're not a hugger with strangers. Or we're sure. not a hugger when we're in a bad mood or we're not, you know? And so if you break it down, you can really be like, oh, this has nothing to do with me. I'm fine. You know, this is, this person doesn't like, you know, doesn't like PDA or doesn't like. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So this I. This is uh, so brilliant because, you know, who doesn't remember this from high school English, right? And Jen's a, Jen is a writer, so I'm sure you do this every day. Who, when, where, how, you know, the whole thing. And, and for our boys to be able to look at a situation without as much of the emotional nuance can be really, really helpful to just like have the bullet points. Yeah. Who, when, where, how, I mean, so, so good to just be able to define it in that way. And also for saying no, right? No, no, because I'm in a bad mood, but maybe later. Oh, that's so much easier than saying just a flat out no. And that will eventually help them understand themselves better because, you know, so often you said we even may generalize about ourselves. I'm not a hugger, but when you, when you drill down, when you think about it, okay, well, yeah, I, I love hugging um, my husband. I don't love hugging somebody that I just met at a conference, somebody I just met at a conference, such a 2019, 2018 thing to say, huh? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hugging at conferences. What is, what, what is that? I, I don't, don't know. Remember. Sorry, this has been an incredible conversation, really eye opening. And I just think that the work you're doing and the way you've come to this work is so natural. And it takes the it like takes the like, oh, my God, it's a sexual conversation. And we get all embarrassed and awkward and our boys, you know, mm storm out of the room because they don't want to hear it. It just normalizes all of it so much and helps strengthen our everyday interactions with every other person we come into contact in a consensual way with. So where do people find you? Where do people find me? Um, I am very active on Instagram, constantly giving tips, tricks, ideas, reflection questions. Um, that's at comprehensive consent. Okay. And um, I can also be found at comprehensiveconsent.com. I currently have a boundary setting boot camp going on um, for parents of kids ages six to 12. And that's where I break down 12 consent skills where there's games and activities and mindfulness um, and discussion questions all to talk about consent. I don't talk about sex at all. It's for parents to to learn it with their children. Um, Yeah, so those are the three places to to find me. I'm going to put links to these in the show notes. Parents of kids 6 to 12, I strongly recommend you checking out that boundary setting boot camp. We did not learn a lot of this growing up. So take advantage of these resources, take advantage of this expertise, and you can set your child up for, you know, success and and not experiencing at least some of the pain that you did. There will be pain, there will be mistakes, but the more we can empower our children, the 
better the world is going to be. Thank you, Sara. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much. I so enjoyed our conversation. Thanks for joining us. And be sure if you're listening to this in real time that you check out the live event. You can go to bit.ly bit.ly slash onboyslive and find out all about it. Jen and I will be there. We'll be talking to our listeners. We'll be on Zoom. It is going to be a fantastic event. Hope to see you there. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.